So as many of you know, I am a professor in a program, a therapy program at Antioch University, Seattle. And often students will ask me to sit down with them while they interview me about an ethical dilemma I've had in my practice. And since I'm all about killing two birds with one stone, I will sometimes say, well, sure, I can do that for you, but let's make it into a podcast so I can kill two birds with one stone. And so that's what we're going to do today. A student in the program is here that is going to interview me about an ethical dilemma, and we will talk about that, right? Yes. So this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a professor and a licensed therapist. Thanks for joining us. Please introduce yourself. My name is Maritza Leon. I am currently a student at Antioch University. This is my first year. I am a couple and family therapist, hopefully soon, with art therapy. Okay. So, one year down. So, at Antioch, we have both... We have a lot of different options for people. Mm -hmm. And you chose the option of couple and family therapy, which... Uh, graduates you to be licensed as a marriage and family therapist. Yes. And you are also in the art therapy program, which will graduate you eligible to become a certified art therapist. Yes. So one day you will be both a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified art therapist. So you'll yeah. have a wide variety of tools available to you. I have a large tool belt ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right, so what is your first question that you have for me today? Okay, so what was a problem or dilemma as in much detail as you can confidentially allow that has occurred over the years of being a therapist? Yeah, good question. Uh, I like the way it's worded, confidentially allow. Yeah, we want to keep that confidentiality. That's right, particularly on the interwebs. Oh, yeah. I will tell you about something that happened just recently. How about that? Okay, that works. So before I get into this, I will say that I've changed details to mask the identity, and I'm going to leave out you know, 99.9% .9 of the details about okay. these people so that there's really no risk of these people being, being identified. Okay, so a, a man came to me for therapy recently, mm -hmm. and it was the first session, and I, on my... Uh, my intake form, uh, there's a question that says, how did, how are you referred to me or who referred you to me? Or how mm -hmm. did you find me? I can't remember how I word it. How, why do you think, Marisa, do I ask that question of people? Just a quick, quick question for you. Just because sometimes things get a little tricky, especially if say it's your cousin's boyfriend or something like that. You don't want to be involved in that kind right. of situation. Good. I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised that you know the answer to that. I guess it is. Are you in ethics class right now? Yeah. Okay, this so this is stuff week, we're covering. Week 9. Yeah. So you've been properly uh made paranoid. I am. I'm yeah. very paranoid currently. Yeah. I don't want to go to jail. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly why uh I a, a small percentage of the reason why is I'm just curious as to how clients come to me a lot of times and and then another small percentage of me is interested in like making sure my marketing efforts are, you know, if everyone is coming through a particular channel, I just want to kind of know that, I guess. Yeah. But, but the vast majority of the reason is because just what you're saying is I want to know if they know someone that I know so that I know how to manage that. And we'll get more into that 
later. And he, on the forum, said that his wife is a former student from Antioch University Mm -hmm. that I know. And so I, in that, in that second, as he's sitting on my couch right behind you, incidentally, I very quickly had to evaluate the ethical dilemma of the situation. What is the ethical dilemma, Meditza, do you think? Was that you knew the student? And did you know anything about her life already? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what, what category of ethical dilemma do we call that, do you think? I'm not sure. We call it multiple relationships. Okay. Which I'm sure you've covered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is all in the category of multiple relationships. I'm not surprised that the phrase didn't pop out in your head because it's not a natural way of thinking. Yeah. We're not used to constantly evaluating how many relationships we have with people. Yeah. We're just used to just living our life, you know? So this is all in the category of multiple relationships. So let me me, uh, ask you, what are the various relationships in this particular situation that I should be concerned with? What, what are the, what are the relationship labels that I can, what are the different relationships I have with, with this person? So she was prior student, you said? So yes, the, his wife was a prior prior student. Yeah. So you might know her family, possibly anything, any information about her family, possibly his family or him details about his life and his wife's, life yeah yeah and that can get tricky because you don't want to know from someone else's point of view yet okay so that's a consideration yeah Yeah. and we'll get more into that so the first and that's you know smart of you to, to identify so the first relationship that i can identify is that i'm engaging in a therapeutic relationship with this with this man yeah what's another relationship that i have with him you know that's the multiple relationship idea so what's another relationship immediately that i already have with him in addition to the therapeutic relationship is that you already know about him technically yeah but what label what like what label would we put to it it's again it's a very foreign way of thinking but i think it's useful to walk through this i'm not sure yeah it's weird right yeah so the other the other the multiple relationships so i have one relationship with him that's therapist so he's therapist all right i'm therapist he's client client. Uh (laughs) the other the other relationship is that he is uh his his um wife i'm i'm his wife's former professor Mm mm-hmm and I'm also his wife's colleague to some extent because once you graduate from oh our, that's our right program, everyone it all connects yeah. we're all kind of therapists mm-hmm. in the community we might bump into each other at conferences she might call on me for help in her career mm-hmm. I, I will frequently help people in their career post graduation I might refer clients to her you know we're we're colleagues and I'm her former professor and I knew her pretty well yeah which is Incidentally, why she referred him to me. So not only do we have a therapeutic relationship, but I'm also his wife's former professor and colleague. So that's that's a very weird way of thinking, but that's the multiple relationship yeah. with him. Because if we weren't, if we didn't have a therapeutic relationship, we would have a relationship, even though we had never met before, yeah. in that I was his wife's professor, former professor. Mm. There's another category of multiple relationships that I need to consider in that there are ethics regarding being a professor. There's an, there are ethics regarding 
training in marriage and family therapy. So not only do I have an ethical responsibility to consider things with my clients, but I also have an ethical responsibility to my students and to my supervisees. Mm -hmm. It's all included in the ethical code for marriage and family therapy. And so I'm, I have a relationship with his wife in that I'm a former professor and I'm also a colleague and potential helper with her career moving forward. And with her, I'm now beginning a relationship as her husband's therapist. So I need to consider harm to both people. Am I going to harm either one of them is, is the question. Yeah. Okay. So that's, those are the multiple relationships that, that, uh, that need to be considered. Okay. So let me ask you, Maritza, what ethical questions, uh, what, what questions should I be asking myself? Do you think? What's the process that you chose to follow this situation? Well, I'll, I'll tell you that in a second, because that happened all in a flash of a second, because yeah. I forgot, or I was never told that that's how I knew him. But he just made an appointment and he sat down on my couch. Mm-hmm. Um, you had already started some therapy or? We had, we had, we were just, you know, two minutes into the first session. Yeah. And so I very quickly had to make an evaluation. Now, in that instance, I could have said, uh, I need to cancel this appointment. Let me think. But I didn't. I decided to just try to work it out in my head in a very short amount of time. Mostly because... What, and I'll get more into that in a second, but but in a nutshell, I've been in these shoes many times, so I know... How to handle it. I, yeah, I know yeah. what I will typically do, so it's not the first time I've run into that. So the first question I have to ask, ask myself is, am I going to harm anybody? What's mm-hmm. the potential harm? Is, the, is always a, a good question to ask whenever you're in an ethical dilemma, because I'm in a dilemma right now. The question is, do I... Engage in a risky multiple relationship mm-hmm. or do I not, you know? And so that's the overall question. And the questions to answer that question is what's the potential harm to yeah. these people? So let's brainstorm right now, you and me. Okay. What are, what's the potential harm to both of these people? How could either one of them be harmed by me engaging in this multiple relationship? Well, I'm sure that you were, like you said, your prior student slash colleague, you have known her for a while and you guys were close. So I'm sure that maybe possibly while your client is discussing his wife, if anything negative were to be said, you could have a bad reaction to it, not on purpose, but I mean, this is someone that you've known for a few years, so you don't want to let your emotions get involved. Good. Very astute. That's a very, that's a very top priority when you're thinking about this sort of relationship Mm -hmm. is, am I going to be biased against him somehow? People in individual therapy frequently complain about their spouses. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's something of you know, that's often. That's discussed. why they're here. Yeah, <laughs> it's why we are in, have a job to some yeah. extent is marital dissatisfaction. So what if I get a little defensive and say, "Hey, I don't think she's like that. I know mm-hmm. her. I and and I have a bond with her that makes it so that I'm biased and won't really listen to him." 
So, right, that's good. What else? Can you think of any other potential harm to either one of these people? Um, he might give you some information about things his wife does, and then say you're, she comes along one day asking you for advice, and she does something wrong, and in your head you're going to be like, well, you're doing this because of something your husband told me, but you can't say that either. Good. You are very good at coming up with paranoid scenarios. This oh, is I'm very paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly true. If if he tells me, you know, which, of course, didn't happen. If he tells me, look, she is massively addicted to crack and oh. heroin and she's gone, you know, for weeks at a time and she is, you know, extremely volatile and then, you know, just as an example, yeah. and, then, and then she comes to me and says, so Kirk, you know, I'd, I'd like some advice about building my private practice. Mm -hmm. That's going to be, that's going to throw a wrench in that, you know, one, it's going to make me not be very nice to her or make it hard for me to be nice to her. But the other weird thing is now I have to keep this secret from her. You know, there could be other situations where, um, like say, she, like say she comes to me just in that very extreme, exaggerated scenario, and she says, "I'm having trouble getting my practice off the ground," I don't, I don't, and I don't really understand why. It's the drugs, right? In my head, I'm like, "Well, maybe," you know, but of course, I can't say that, so it puts strain on me and on our relationship because I can't reveal to her what's going on in my head. She might think in the back of her mind. I wonder if my husband's told him about all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it puts us all into a very weird situation that if I didn't engage in a multiple relationship, it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. If I didn't treat her husband, then I wouldn't know anything and I would just be able to act accordingly to that. Since you guys are, would never, if you were, if you were to have like a session with the husband and the husband were to tell you, something that his wife was doing that was unethical, would you have to report that or would yes. you? Okay. Well, it's, it's it, well, that's it's a whole other, that's yeah. actually an interesting ethical dilemma that I haven't been in before, but the answer is much more complicated than I just said. Yeah. <laughs> in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. In some ways, yes, because we all have an ethical responsibility to protect the public mm -hmm. from us and our fellow professionals but we also have have an ethical responsibility for confidentiality yeah so that would be a whole other conversation it would depend on the level of harm and um and whether or not the client wanted me to make that report or you mm -hmm. know what i mean anyway um so also uh let's see let's say the former student comes to me and says you know, I'd like some advice about practice. And then we sit down, we start talking, and then she starts talking about her husband mm -hmm. and starts telling me all these things about him that the husband doesn't want me to know. And then that challenges my relationship with with him. Um, so, so that could happen as well. Another thing that could happen is I'm at a social event for our profession, you know, AAMFT, and other organizations are in Seattle and will uh, go to Amanda Franklin's house. Do you know Amanda Franklin? I she's don't. A, she's an instructor, and she has uh, events for family therapists in the region at her house. And so say I had a couple of drinks, and 
my former student is there mm-hmm. and she sees me acting like a fool and saying stupid jokes. And then she goes home and says, oh, my God, Kirk was uh, sloshed and he was saying all these really inappropriate jokes. And then now my client doesn't respect me anymore and the therapy is harmed because of that. Yeah. So that's another, you know, not very likely scenario since all my jokes are always funny regardless of of how... Of course, of course. Regardless of how drunk I am. So there's that. But, you know, that could happen as well. So those, these are all the common questions that we ask ourselves. What's another... So in addition to harm, what's, a, what's another question I should be asking myself uh, regarding the, whether or not I should engage in a multiple relationship? What do you think? As if you'll actually be able to help him. Okay, good. So the, the label we put to that is benefit. Mm-hmm. So what's the, does the benefit outweigh the potential harm? Does the benefit out, outweigh the risks? Because if it's if it's slightly risky, but and there's no benefit to taking that risk, mm-hmm. then why would you do that, right? Yeah, just like with anything. Right. So you just have to weigh the pros and the cons. So the pros that I evaluated in my head very quickly was that my former student, she picked me because she thought I would be a good therapist for him. Mm-hmm. She didn't just, you know, give him a hundred names. She she specifically, you know, when her husband said, I want therapy, she specifically thought of me. At least that's the way it seems. Yeah. And I can tell that I think she chose wisely because we are a good match, mm-hmm. me and this me and this client. And finding a good fit is an inc- is not exactly common. It's yeah. actually kind of rare. To find, I mean, I as a client myself, I would say the vast majority of therapists and I just don't gel as well as the sort of therapists that I do gel with. You mm-hmm. know, it's so finding a therapist that you have a, a good immediate kind of rapport with is important, and the benefit of that, uh, in my estimation, outweighs. Uh, all the other risks that we'll get into. What other kinds of questions might I ask? So, so harm to client or student, and then benefit versus risk. What other kind of questions might I think about when evaluating this ethical dilemma? Let's see. What else can we consider? I don't know. We've got the main things: multiple relationships. Can you think of anything else? You don't have to. I, I don't think I can. Okay. Well, you came up with the two big ones. <laughs> the other ones are exploitation. Am I exploiting either one of these people mm-hmm. for my own benefit? Because if I am, then that's a pretty big uh, indication that I shouldn't engage in it. You know, yeah. is this self-serving somehow? Is this somehow not really serving the client's best? Thing? So, so a common tag word is harm and exploitation, even though exploitation is a kind of harm. Mm-hmm. Another, another question is, is, am I biased? Am I, am I clouded? in my judgment of the ethical dilemma all together, you know, is there something that prevents me from seeing this situation, quote unquote, objectively or, or rationally or helpfully? What's the best way to counterbalance this, this bias towards him or towards the, uh, what, you know, let's say that as I'm evaluating this situation, I really want to work with him Mm -hmm. and I am, I'm just totally blind 
to the potential risks because I'm just one human being and I, I have a, I have a reason to be motivated to, to think in the side of, well, of course this is okay. Mm-hmm. What should I do to counterbalance that potential bias that I might have in that situation? Um, possibly reminding yourself that you need to remain neutral and unbiased. Right. So remind myself, Hey, wait a second. Am I, think am twice. I being biased? Yeah. yeah. What else could you do? Probably just the way you ask the questions to your client. Sure. Client. Sure. This is all good. Yeah. The best way is to consult. I didn't do that and I didn't have time to do that in the moment. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah. But but the best way is to consult with someone. When you start consulting, not only as you're saying it, do are you listening to yourself saying it, but another person is is very likely to be able to see it much more objectively because they don't have the uh, the motivation to to bias themselves in the direction of taking a risk when when they don't yeah. have to. So so anyway, that's that's yeah. another thing. You a can lot do. of the times, like whenever we've been going it over anything in my ethics class, yeah. it's always like just go to your supervisor, right. ask someone else. Yeah, right. Yeah, while you're under supervision for the next few years, yeah. you have that you have that out. You mm-hmm. never have to think about an ethical dilemma ever again. Just at, kidding. Well, for the next <laughs> for few, few years, years. yeah. You can always just dump it on your supervisor's lap and then let them make the choice. You document that and they get in trouble if it's wrong. So another thing to think about is what's the likelihood of a complaint happening? Now, this sounds a little weird to some people sometimes, but let's say that this client I detect, which I didn't, has a a tendency to sue people over small issues. Mm -hmm. I don't want that in my life. Nobody does. So if this multiple relationship opens me up to even a tiny bit of risk, do I want to lie awake at night worrying that he's going to somehow like get upset at me and then focus in on this thing and then Mm -hmm. make a complaint? So that's, that's always something that, that I as a supervisor want my supervisees to think about is what is this person's track record? Because even if you uh, win and prevail when a complaint happens, you don't want to go through a complaint process and you don't want to give a complaint prone client an excuse to wage a complaint against you. So with complaint prone clients, you just want to be extremely by the book Mm -hmm. and you just don't want to take any risks at all. But I didn't, I didn't detect any complaint risk in, in this client and in the former student, I found them to be very reasonable people. And so I very quickly made that judgment in my mind. Another question to ask is, am I outside the standard of practice or the standard of care? There's the standard of care is something that is defined as, you know, what 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 would a typical marriage and family therapist do in this situation? Or would a group of marriage and family therapists, having heard that I engaged in this multiple relationship, how many of them would, percentage-wise, would think that I did something terribly wrong? And again, in my head, the the vast majority of marriage and family therapists engage in multiple relationships like this all the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of our clients will come to us through people that referred them to us. And the the important detail here is the former student, there's a chance I'll never see her again, 
is the thing. It's not like we're close. We don't have any plans to brunch on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. So the, and while she was a a student in one of my classes, Mm -hmm. I was close to her. But as soon as that was over, it was not very close. But and particularly after graduation, there's really no reason why we'll ever, you know, talk. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the multiple relationship is is very manageable. Now, if I if she was my supervisee or she was a friend of a friend or if I was much closer to her or I don't know, just something a lot, then I would have had more questions. Yeah. But anyway, so standard of care, standard of practice is another question to ask. And then the final question I sort of alluded to earlier is how much anxiety will this will this ethical, you know, uh, shady area, gray area, mm-hmm. how much anxiety will it produce for me personally? Yeah. Because like I said earlier, I don't want to lie awake at night worrying about something uh, happening uh, when I can avoid it. It's just a professional satisfaction issue. And again, very quickly, I evaluated that I wouldn't worry about this because... There are again. I've been in the situation before, and mm-hmm. I, I'm confident that I'm okay taking this taking this step. So, so those are all the questions that I asked again very quickly in my mind, and decided to move forward with the multiple relationship. And what I did was I said to him, um, "So just so you know, your you, therapy is a confidential relationship. Therefore." If your wife, even though I know her, if I were to bump into her somewhere at a conference or something, mm-hmm. I couldn't indicate that I knew who you were. If she said, if she looked at me and said something like, oh, yeah, so, you know, my husband's in, in therapy with you. I said to him, if she said something like that, I would have to actually indicate I don't even know what she's talking about. It's that strict. Yeah. So I really wanted to get it clear to him that. I take confidentiality extremely seriously mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very anal about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not hard for me. I've, it's been 20 years. I'm well practiced at being rude to people about such things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I explained that to him and we, you know, had a brief conversation about that. And I said, you know, how do you feel about that? And he's just, and he was like, I, I'm fine with that. And that's the thing is most people, they don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got the impression that he was saying, I don't even care if you talk to my wife about everything we talk about it. Cause we have it's a, not that big a, we have a good yeah. relationship and I tell my wife things and I don't care. And he, he's more just like, Oh, okay. That's your rule therapist. Mm-hmm. Fine. You know, that sounds fine. Um, so, so that's, that's the decision, uh, making process I went through and now you're going to write a paper on this and you're going to evaluate whether or not I'm a complete doofus or not. Is I get to look it all up in my textbooks and make sure everything was ethical. Yep. Turn into paper. Who's your instructor? Um, Beth. And so you're going to, uh, turn it into Beth, Beth Donahue, mm-hmm. right? And so you're going to turn it in and then. Beth is going to go like, man, Kirk, what a doofus. This is just completely unethical. She's just going to judge you a little bit, maybe. Yeah. So do you have any other questions that I haven't haven't answered? Um, so the last one's pretty much was, um, were there any negative effects to these actions? Nope. Not that I can tell. It was just all fine. And then since there were no problems, is 
if you were to face the same dilemma again, would you change anything or would you do it all over again? Nope. I'd do it exactly the same. Did you learn anything from this experience? Did I learn anything from the experience? Well, in preparing for this interview, I, you know, it's always good to review your mm-hmm. ethical guidelines and your procedures. And so, although I didn't learn anything new, it was good for me to review all this so yeah. that it's fresh in my mind. Yeah, that's always good. That's something that they keep like trying to tell us. You always need to review things. Even if you've been practicing for 20 years, things change and you need a reminder sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I have a notebook filled with all these little notes to myself, providing guidance on the law and ethical codes Hmm. because it's so confusing. There's it so is many, confusing. So many random situations. There's that, so many gray areas, too. Yeah. Well, so what do you think? Do you think I acted ethically or not? You're free to tell me I was unethical. Just remember, I'm chair of the couple and family therapy program, <laughs> and I could make your life very difficult. But anyway, what, what no, do you No, no, it's, it's all perfect, perfect. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. Um, no, it seems like it worked out. Um, the benefits obviously outweighed the negatives. And like you said, it's not like you saw her constantly every weekend and you've been practicing. You said it was recently. So you've been practicing for 20 years. That means you kind of know how to handle yourself and remain unbiased. Hopefully. Hopefully. I don't know. And or I know how to get consultation when I lose perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. You're the only person I've consulted with on this particular issue. As a first year student, you should. Yeah. That's in an ethics class, you know, that's again, fully inundated with the parent. Are you feeling pretty scared of ethical problems after taking this class? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just more the, like the trickier situations that I'm just like, I don't even know what I do. Yeah. Call your supervisor. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with standing up in the middle. I did that when I was an intern. The middle of a session, I stood up and said, I'm going to go get my supervisor. Stay right here. Yeah, that's what they've told me. And I'm just like, okay, that makes me feel a little bit more secure. I'm just going to email all my past teachers. I'll email you and I'll be like, what do I do? Yeah. And also know that therapists are rarely sued or complained about. Yeah. Like it is extremely rare. I think our textbook just makes it seem like it happens all the time. It does not. Do you have any questions, uh, just generally speaking, that you want to ask while we're on the interweb right now? I have a lot of questions, but I don't know. I feel like they'll they'll, they'll get answered eventually. It's just, you know, those first year jitters. Yeah. I still have ways to go. Oh, good. You have faith. Yeah, I, I'll like get it. there eventually. Good. I like it. You will. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. It might take 20 years. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for the podcast. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs>